Amen. What a precious fountain of grace that we have available to us. Amen. Well, it's good to praise God and uh, our children get to be with us during our singing and then they get to go and continue their worship at the children's building with Pastor Susan and her helpers. So first through sixth grade uh, children that want to join that uh, children's worship, we invite you to do so. Well, this last Monday, <clears throat> uh, NASA's Ingenuity Mars helicopter became the first aircraft in history to make a powered control flight on another planet. Uh, that's, that's, that's a pretty big deal. It's, this helicopter is not huge. No people can fit in it. It's a, it's a small thing, but the solar power helicopter uh, first became airborne at 12.33 local mean solar time. Did you know that Mars had a time zone? That's kind of cool, isn't it? Uh, and it came to an, a pre prescribed attitude of 10 feet, and then it hovered there for 30 seconds. And it was a huge accomplishment to, to fly this aircraft, this helicopter on Mars. And here you see a picture of the team of engineers of NASA people that made it happen, and after the 30-second flight, they're celebrating uh, this great accomplishment. Now, I don't know if you know any of them. I don't. But I do know the one who made Mars. <laughs> I know the one who made the planets. And I think it's interesting that with all of our technology, with all of our knowledge, with all of the billions of dollars that we spend in space exploration, that one of the big things is to flight this remote control helicopter for 30 seconds on another planet. It's a big deal, I get it. It's not flying it on a city next to you, it's not flying it in a different country, it's not flying it on another continent, but another planet. That's huge, and, and, and I get that. Uh, but I also understand that Mars is just one of eight other planets in our solar system there are other planets and, uh, that, that there are there to explore. And that the solar system is a small cluster of planets and moons uh, that are in the Milky Way galaxy. And you know that there are an estimated 100 billion planets in the Milky Way galaxy? Think about that. 100 billion Marses, 100 billion Earths and bigger than that, a hundred billion planets that God placed in the Milky Way. And the Milky Way is just one of 125 billion galaxies as far as we can tell because in the universe we can only tell something about the observable universe. There are parts of the universe we can't see. But as far as we can see there are 125 billion galaxies like the Milky Way. It's mind-blowing. Just think about that. And, and, and we rejoice about putting a little helicopter in one of those planets. Yet, we know the one that placed them there and that sustains them there with his word. Recently, a Swedish astrophysicist calculated that there are seven quintillion planets in the universe. When was the last time you used that? Quintillion. I mean, some young people use exaggeration, right? Like, it's like a gazillion dollars, you know? 
But quintillion, when was the last time you said quintillion? That's seven with 20 zeros to the right. You know one of the really interesting things about this concept of seven quintillion planets, if you can even have an idea what that means, is that as far as we know, out of all those planets, only Earth, as far as we know, only Earth sustains life. We're, we're a pretty unique place, made by a pretty unique God who wants to show himself to us. The God of the universe wants to reveal himself to us in this incredible universe, in this small galaxy, small solar system, small planet, small people. And God wants to know you and wants you to know him. We're in this series, the short series that we're calling Restoration, and we're looking at selected Psalms. Uh, and, and today we come to Psalm 19, and, uh, and it's a Psalm of praise, but what we see in that praise is the praise for God's revelation. In other words, the praise for God's self, revealing of himself, of making himself known. And I believe that restoration is possible because of revelation. In other words, God wants to make himself known so that he can restore us to his original design. So I invite you to go with me to the Bible, whether you have a hard copy of it or you have it in your device or you want to follow it on the screen. Psalms 19, and I'll begin reading. And it reads like this. The heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun it is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Creation speaks. The heavens declare the glory of God. The work of God's hand communicates to us. And that's the first thing I want to note for you today is that God reveals his glory through creation. This God that wants to make himself known, he makes his glory known through creation. We're looking at four different Psalms in this series. We, we looked at Psalms one as a Psalm of wisdom and there are several of those in the book of Psalms. Last Sunday I looked at Psalms 13 it was a, it's a psalm of lament. And, and I told you that over a third of the psalms are songs of lament. That means sad songs. And then today we come to Psalm 19. And Psalm 19 is a song of praise. It praises God, particularly because he reveals himself. And he begins by praising God for his creation as he looks to the heavens and he contemplates the stars and the planets without all of the technology we have today, centuries ago, 
He looks at the planets. He considers day and night. How every day is just a little bit different. Some days have fog in the morning. Some days have cool mornings. Some days are humid. Some days are sunny. Some days are partly cloudy. Some days are cold. Every day slightly different. Every night slightly different. And he thinks about all of this. And as he contemplates, he praises God because he knows that he made it. He made all of this to reveal himself. Creation may not speak English or Spanish or any human language, but it speaks. It speaks to everyone who's listening. Anyone who's listening can hear, can see, can observe the witness of creation about its creator. You know, scientists pay attention to creation. They look at, at small portions of creation, sometimes under a microscope, a cell or an object or a star far away. They study, they learn, whatever data they gather, they, they draw conclusions. Nature is providing them information and they soak it in. Scientists just like to soak that information in. They, they review it, they analyze it, they test it, they share it, and then they make a discovery and they celebrate with great joy. Often they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong, but they're listening. They're paying attention. And they may be looking for answers about the what and the how, but the writer of the Psalms knows answers about the who and the why of creation. Not only is he impressed with the beauty of the planets, not only is he impressed with the beauty of nature around him, but he is impressed with the fact that he knows the God who made all of it. When God made the heavens and the earth. He put his signature on them. Like an artist who, who leaves his trademark on the artwork, God left his imprint on every created thing. I like to go when I visit other cities. We, my wife and I like to go to museums and we like to go to art galleries and, and look at paintings. And sometimes you can look at a painting and know without looking at a name, know who painted that. For example, if you see this painting right here, you might know that that's a Rembrandt, right? Something about the lighting and, and the face of the person looking a little unkept makes it distinguishable. Or if you look at a painting like this one, where there's elongated figures and looks a little gaunty, then you might know that it's El Greco. El Greco does that kind of painting where everything looks skinny, right? And if that's hard for you, then you look at a painting like this and you know, you know this is Frida, right? If it's a unibrowed girl and a self-portrait, you know it's Frida, right? And, and maybe if you look at this painting where there are these colors that seem to just kind of blend in and it's kind of blurry, then you know it's a Monet, right? You don't have to be an art expert to be able to tell something about the artist that has left their imprint on the painting. If you pay attention at the mountains and the rivers and the oceans and the trees and the birds, and the stars, that you know something about the one who made them, that he's beautiful.
that he's incredibly creative, that, that, that he's wise beyond measure, and that he loves his creation. Romans says, since what, we, me, since what may be known about God is plain to them. He's talking about all humanity because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God has revealed himself in creation so that every human being can know there is a God. This morning, we had a prayer group at eight o'clock and somebody was praying uh, because it's Ramadan. It's, it's the season of fasting for Muslims and, and they were saying, God, reveal yourself to Muslims so that they know you and the Savior that you sent. God has done that through creation. He reveals his glory and the psalmist praises God for it. Then secondly, we see that God reveals his goodness through the scriptures. As the poet continues to praise God for making himself known, <clears throat> he now turns from creation to scripture. The God who reveals himself in creation has also revealed himself through the written word. So we come to the second portion of the psalm and we see that it uses different words to praise God for the scriptures. Listen, verses seven through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. The psalmist in this song of praise is expressing his, his praise for God's written word, for the scriptures. And he calls it the law of the Lord, the Torah, that the Hebrews love so much. He calls it the statues of the Lord, this reliable and constant guidance that God has provided. The precepts of the Lord. It, it, it is an allusion to say the God who made the universe has given us the principles by which it operates, by which we can live in it and relate to the creator. Those are the precepts of the Lord. The commands of the Lord speaks of his authority. The fear of the Lord is this deep respect that causes to obey him. That The commands of the Lord are not suggestions. They're not opinions. They're commandments meant to be obeyed. The decrees of the Lord. There's this royalty about the word decrees. A king decrees and the people abide by the king's decrees. And, and the psalmist calls the scripture the decrees of the Lord. All of these nouns describe the scripture in its uniqueness, its authority, its richness. And all of them are followed by the designation of the Lord the law of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the, the commands of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the decrees of the Lord. It is God's word. He is revealing himself through the written word. There's much that we can learn about God from the scriptures. But one of the many attributes that we see is his goodness. Notice how the poet expresses the benefits that the scripture brings. 
He says it refreshes the soul. It makes the simple wise. It makes the guy who's not so smart like me, it makes him wise for life and for eternity. It gives joy to the heart. The scriptures give joy to the heart. It gives light to the eyes. We were singing about that earlier, about God opening up our eyes so that we can see him, shining his light so that we can see the truth. It endures forever. There's everything in our world is constantly changing. But the word of God endures forever. And it's righteous. Not only is God good, not only is the scriptures good, but the psalmist says it's good for us. The Bible is not just a theology textbook. It's not just a history of religion. It is the living, breathing word of God for his people that he loves so much. The writer of Hebrews says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What other book does that? What other book can, can penetrate into the deepest part of our being and, and discern our thoughts? The scriptures convict, they correct, they discern, they refresh, they train, they enlighten, they bring joy. What a precious gift. What a good God. That not only he reveals himself in creation, but he writes a love letter to us. He says, this is who I am. I'm a holy God and I want a holy people. But don't worry, I will make you holy. I love you. The, the writer says that it's more precious than gold. How many of you would like to have some gold? Right? Not just jewelry, but some gold bars. A lot of gold. How many of you like to triple your retirement account. And the psalmist says, more precious than that, more precious than that, it's God's word. Sweeter than honey, sweeter than 10 pumps of caramel at the cafe, sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. How many of you have ever eaten a honeycomb? I have, I remember as a kid, I love to do that. Get a honeycomb from the honey jar and just bite it and squeeze the honey out of it. There's nothing sweeter than that. I mean, it'll just go through your entire body and it'll keep you sweet for like two days. And the psalmist says that the scriptures are sweeter than honey and honey from the honeycomb. What a precious gift. Pastor Chad said at the beginning that our group that went to Chiapas this week, Jose Luis Jimenez and uh, Amin Calvo and Osvaldo Gámez, as we've been working in Chiapas, we've been working with indigenous people groups, people groups that do not speak Spanish, that's their heart language. They're in remote areas of the jungle. And one of the things that we discovered as we we're helping to establish these churches and help them to disciple others and, and multiply is they said, well, one of the things that we need is a Bible in our own language. And, and we realized, wow, they didn't have a Bible in their own language. So when they gather, somebody maybe has a Bible in Spanish. And as they read, somebody has to translate to their local indigenous language. And then they can understand it. But they've never held a Bible in their heart language. And so 
Jose Luis had this burden and for some time he's been looking for Bibles in their language. One of the languages is Sotzil Chenalo and he found Bibles. This is a rare thing. It was hard to find them. This is one of the many churches here. There's a picture of the, one of the churches that we uh, are working with. There's Jose Luis and the team uh, and they speak Sotzil Chenalo and we took them Bibles in their language. This is what the cover looks like. Um, it has a Spanish uh, subtitle there, but uh, the big title, uh, it's in Social Channel. And then it, the open Bible looks like this. It's a language that uh, has been now written for the scriptures. And for the first time, for the first time in their entire lives, these people are holding in their hands a Bible in their own language. That's crazy, isn't it? Now listen to this word from them to us. It's a trilingual word from Sotil Chenalo to Spanish to English. So listen to this. We want to thank uh, Calvary Baptist Church and Park City's Church. We are so thankful for the offering towards the Bibles that we are handing on our hands today. El Señor los bendiga a cada uno de los hermanos miembros que les aportaron sus ofrendas. May God bless you for all the offerings that you have sent to us through these Bibles. Nosotros que nos que recibimos la Santa Biblia estamos muy gozosos todos los que recibimos la Biblia. We that have received our Bible, we are so grateful, joyful for having the Word of God in our hands. <laughs> what a precious gift, right? What a joy that we get to be a part of that. Can you imagine growing up your entire life and not having a Bible in your own language? And then for the first time getting it and knowing that it comes from a little church in McAllen called Calvary. What a, you know how much they're going to treasure these Bibles? You, you, you think they took them to church this morning? They're going to be opening up and reading them and delighting in them. We have so many versions of the Bible in so many colors and sizes and styles, digital and in print, that I think sometimes we take it for granted. I wonder how many times our nice Bibles with all of the commentaries and all of the study helps sit on a nightstand unopened the entire day. Because we don't have time. We're busy listening to the news and being on Facebook and watching the YouTube channel and listening to podcasts. Some of us listen to preachers on podcasts. That's great but it's not the Bible. There's nothing like going to the source. There's nothing like opening the pages of the scriptures and letting God speak directly to you. 
The psalmist delighted in the scriptures because he thought they were more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. And then thirdly, God reveals his love through our open hearts. As we move from this portion of praise, it, it gets a little more personal. The, open, the poet begins by contemplating the heavens, how majestic they are, but maybe far removed. And then he praises God for the scriptures that are full of goodness and that speak a little more directly to him. But now he comes to, to an issue of the heart. And, and let's look at verses 11 through 14 as we wrap up this psalm. It says, by them, your servant, by them meaning the scriptures, by them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The psalmist understands that God's revelation in scripture does not help him unless he opens his heart. That's where it gets personal. It is not enough to know God's word. We need to be changed by it. You remember the story of the foolish man and the wise man that Jesus told? Essentially, he said that the person who knows God's word but is not changed by God's word is like the foolish person that builds his house on the sand. And when the rains come and the winds come, that house will not stand. But the person who knows God's word and allows God's word to change her is like the person who builds her house on the rock and the winds and the rains and the floods may come, but that house will stand. The difference is not in knowing God's word. The difference is not in hearing God's word. The difference is in obeying God's word. It's in being changed by it. It's not enough to read the Bible. We need to let the Bible read us. That's what the psalmist is asking. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins so that they may not rule over me. There are two things that the poet desires for God to do in his life. To be kept from his hidden faults and to be saved from his willful sins. You know, revelation is about light. When God created the heavens and the earth, he said, let there be light, and there was light. When God gave us the written word, they became a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But now, what the psalmist is asking is for God to shine that light in his heart. It is the response like that one when Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And when Jesus comes in, some lights are going to get turned on. He's going to flip that switch on. That's uncomfortable sometimes. There's some places in our lives we, we don't want the light to be turned on. And I think when Jesus lights his shine, it's kind of like LED. It's got a lot of lumens. And you can see stuff that's there. We all have blind spots. We all have hidden faults, and that's what the psalmist recognizes. 
the his hidden faults. Is, those are the things that sometimes we are unaware of, ways in which we hurt God and we hurt ourselves and we hurt others. And the psalmist says, I want you to show me that. It might be my blind spot, but I don't want it to keep being my blind spot. Shine your light there so that when it gets revealed, you can have power over it, God. And then he says, save me from my willful sins. Those are not blind spots. Those are the things that we are very much aware of. Those are our natural tendencies. You know what they are for you. For some, it's lust. For some, it's greed. For, for some, it's gluttony. For some, it's drunkenness. For some, it's gossip. You know what it is. It's that tendency that pulls you and the psalmist says, I'm afraid that it will control me, that it will rule over me. That's what happens when we, when we let our sinful nature have its way, it will control us. We'll be enslaved to it. And the psalmist says, I want to be saved from that. And his goodness is willing to come into our lives and point out both hidden faults and willful sins not so that we will stay in our shame, not so that we will carry around a guilt trip, but so that we will be delivered from them, so that we will have victory over them, so that the light of God will shine in us and through us. In God's incredible love, he has revealed himself through creation. We can see his glory his majesty in the heavens. He has revealed himself in the scriptures. We can experience his goodness through them. And he wants to reveal himself to you personally in your heart as you open your heart. And when you do, like the psalmist, you can say he's my rock and my redeemer. I will trust him. I will build my life upon a sure foundation, we sang. That foundation is Jesus. I want to invite you today to open your heart to God's revelation in creation, in the scriptures, and in your heart. Would you stand with me? As you think about how you will respond to God's incredible revelation, maybe what you need to do this week is make time to contemplate him in creation. Sit out there on a sunrise or a sunset. Smell the flowers, hear the birds. Go to the beach. Go by the lakeside and just sit there and contemplate creation. But mostly praise the creator. Maybe for you this week what you need to do is to just really Make it a point to open up the scriptures and experience God's love through them. To set a time and a place to do that on a regular basis. Or maybe for you today is to open your heart so that the spirit can change you from the inside out. Father, thank you for your word because it speaks to me and I know that it speaks to your people here. And God, we want to respond to your revelation. 
We want to say yes. We want to praise you, experience you, and let you change us. So God, I pray that if there's someone here right now who's never opened their hearts to Jesus as Lord and Savior, who's never allowed you to be their king, maybe present here, maybe online, that today for the first time in their lives, they will pray this prayer. God, I know you love me. And I know you've made yourself known to me in creation and the scriptures, but now I want to know you in my heart, in my life. I surrender, I trust you as Savior and Lord because you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead. Father, as, as those prayers are being lifted up here and on our live stream, I know that your spirit is working. For those that already know you, that we will continue to open ourselves up to the work of your spirit in our lives. As you keep responding to God, would you sing with us?